there's just a little snippet right there of uh, one of my favorite pieces, uh, one of my favorite composers, one of my favorite pieces of all time uh, from uh, Stravinsky's Firebird Suite. And uh, I've been a huge fan of Stravinsky for as long as I can remember. And uh, that piece actually has a lot of uh, a lot of special meaning to me and uh, relates a lot to uh, today's episode. So welcome to the Ken Robinson Music Podcast Project. This is episode five. This is the fifth week. We're over a month at this point. So, uh, wow, this is this is really something else. This is uh, this is really gaining some traction, and uh, I think we're up to about uh, fourteen listeners at this point. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know the listener count yet. Um, I, I do I, I do think it's going uh, okay, and uh, pretty excited about this. So we'll um, we'll see what's uh, you know. Uh, take a look at the old Apple analytics and some of the SoundCloud analytics and, and see. But uh, as promised, well, as promised, I was uh, going to have um, uh, interviews coming up shortly. And I, I, I again, I promise that I will uh, within the next uh, week or two. But um, it is much more difficult than, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, most people know this, but uh, it's tough to get uh, one person alone in a room, uh, or, or, you know, in a room together there, let alone two or three people in a room together. Uh, if you've ever tried to get a rehearsal or meeting or anything going, it's, uh, it's not easy. So, uh, scheduling is, is, uh, is really something else. But, uh, anyway, I still want to put these things out and I still want to, um, hopefully put something out of, uh, of meaning and, uh, maybe it'll, uh, connect with somebody out there. And, uh, again, this is the Ken Robinson Music Podcast Project and, it's uh, you can find it's now on Stitcher. Um, the show's now on uh, Apple Music. It's been for a while. It's also um, at some point soon going to be on Google Play and also on Spotify. So I'm looking forward to that. So those are pretty cool. And again, thanks. I, I've I've actually been talking to people, not just on uh, Facebook or you know actual talking to people. Which is, I mean that's that's pretty <laughs> pretty amazing these days. Uh, a face-to-face conversation, but I've actually talked with a few people that have been listening, and they, um, I, I thanks so much to anybody that's uh, been, uh, you know, reaching out again with with uh, positive feedback, and again the negative feedback. Hey, uh, haven't received any yet, um, but uh, I'm looking forward to that at some point, maybe. Hey, we'll see, we'll see where this goes. But um, anyway, uh, again, thanks so much again for for reaching out and interviews to be coming very soon. Uh, this is still in its infancy, so uh, we'll, you know, that's that's. Uh, I feel like that's more of a the adult podcasting uh, when it reaches uh, 18 years of age uh, officially. Um, hopefully, it will not take 18 years to get uh, an interview going. Um, that's something I like to just get out of the way very quickly. Anyway, um, yeah, like I said, within the next week or two, we got some some really great interviews coming up, and um, it looks like they may actually the scheduling may actually come through on some of those things. So. Um, anyway, again, thank you to everybody. And, uh, yeah, today I want to talk about, if you've listened to a few of the episodes already, I want to, you know, that this, what this podcast is about and, um, it's going it, to, again, I, I, I'm still trying to find a, a center, a, kind of a voice. Uh, it's, it's difficult to kind of find that individual voice, um, without doing a few of these things first and just putting them out and seeing how they go. So, uh, much like much the same in music or, or anything else, trying to find your voice uh, that's that's uh, you know really ringing and resonating uh, with yourself and with with other people. So that's what uh, what's going on right now. But today I want to talk about something that is 
both well psychologically of course related but also um incredibly music related and it's it's directly related to music of course and it's a, a personal story um of how kind of a, a general synopsis in, in some ways i'll get specific with some things but in how music actually did save my life and i, I don't mean that music um uh, pulled me out of a river or that i was um you know on horseback and fell off the horse and uh was being dragged by the horse and music came by and scooped me up um i mean what other what other type of meta or whatever you know stories could we tell ourselves you know i was on a plane once and the pilot said brace yourselves for impact and music swooped in and um took over the controls <laughs> it's getting it's starting to get out now so i'm going to take it back in and say that music saved my life in terms of the quality of my life and i i would say also the ability to actually live my life the way that I want to live it and not in a um, agoraphobic, um, <laughs> for lack of a better term, agoraphobic, uh, anxiety-riddled, um, depressed uh, individual. And, and uh, it was, it, it's, it's always been there. Music's always been there for me. And, and, uh, and uh, I think there's a lot of people out there. I, I, I hope that, I think this will speak to a lot of people, but it's just, uh, it's always been there and it's always been able to be a, um, a light or some kind of a guide or some kind of a way to escape or many, many things that, that, uh, we could, you know, metaphors we could apply or, or to it. But, um, and I don't necessarily want to get into the science of how music, you know, I mean, there's just to touch on that for a second, there's obvious there's, there's research and we're literally just scratching the surface as a species as to how music affects us, if we talk in a scientific manner. So we know that there's dopamine being released with chord recognition and with, um, I know just, you know, there's the old Mozart test that people talk about where Mozart is, uh, you know, when you play Mozart before a math test, everyone does better. Um, I, I think that's one of the most generic probably and uh, that sounds great to me, but I don't think that's the, the point so that, you know, we don't listen to music so we can do better on a math test. Um, but it does show the importance and the effect on the brain, at least. And I think those are pretty cool. There's a story actually was in one of the uh, um, medical journals um, years ago about a guy who um, he was in a... Um, I guess he was, he was, I think he was in assisted living of some sort or it probably in, in some other type of a, um, facility, uh, old age facility. And he was for the most part, um, non-functional and was, you know, wasn't verbal. He wasn't, you know, it's, it's just, he was just kind of, um, kind of vegging out. Um, <laughs> that sounds so insensitive, but anyway, this guy, I'm just going to say it like I talk usually. And this guy was kind of just hanging and, um, some one of the one of the people that worked there, I guess one of the nurses or um, staff, found out that the guy had played banjo and uh, was a singer. And so uh, here come the banjo jokes. No, um, banjo is a great instrument. I'll be very honest about that, and um, I'm being very genuine. Um, but but yeah, um, they found this out and they brought the banjo in and they actually set him up. They put him in a chair and they set him up with the banjo and he actually literally began to play the banjo and sing in very clear English. And um, 
I don't know that he knew what he was saying in terms of, the, you know, the way they were saying that they weren't sure of, you know, in that term of cognition, but he, the music that actually inspired him to come out of, I guess what would be a catatonic state, catatonic, again, this is unedited, so I'm sorry, but um, it's not perfect. Nothing is. The But, but you know, he was, um, came out of the state and um, uh, played the banjo for a little while. And, and then as they, you know, they took, they, I guess I couldn't imagine having to take that thing away from him, but uh, I guess, you know, they had to take it away and, and uh, he went back to being, um, you know, nonverbal and, and, and um, not communicative and, and in that way. And so it's just, I mean, that's just unbelievable. Um, just one example like that of the power that music has and, and that somehow within the brain's wiring that we, we just don't know yet. And again, there's a lot of books. There are a ton of books out there about, um, about this, of course. And, 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 um, its effect and uh but what i want to talk more about is just you know what what we know and just kind of the way we feel about it this is more of like a just kind of from the gut from an emotional standpoint and so i mean i can remember going back as far as when i was um probably five or six years old and my dad my i I grew up in the philly area uh philadelphia 10 like 10 minutes out in cherry hill and my dad took me to see the Philadelphia Orchestra, and I had heard recordings of orchestras and and a lot of big band and a lot of um, other jazz stuff. Like my my dad was Stanley Turrentine and um, some other people uh, at the time. It was just like who my parents were listening to at the time, and but a lot of orchestral stuff. And I hadn't started playing clarinet yet, but I remember going to the Philadelphia Orchestra, and we sat in the in the balcony and in uh, the Academy of Music in Philadelphia, and I. My dad to this day describes the look on my face of utter disbelief that I, I, I couldn't believe that that sound was coming from that group and it was happening right there. And so that was a very early age uh, impact of this live performance. And the I remember there was a, an older guy. If, if you ask me when I was that age, he was 150 years old, but he was he'd probably like, you know, 55, um, 60 years old. I don't know. Um but he he was a, was an older guy and and um, he said you know kind of was remarked on how I was this young kid and it was kind of neat how to see this you know kids sitting there listening to the orchestra and, but I I remember that very vividly and uh, that was just the beginning and then I started playing clarinet when I was seven and it just took off from there but I can remember times when you know here's where where the anxiety um, the the, the acute anxiety and depression was was coming in in my life and I can remember these things where I was feeling um so overwhelmed with feelings of anxiety and of depression and there were times where I could just come home I remember coming home from school one time I was probably in eighth or ninth grade and I turned all the lights out in my room and I had a pretty decent stereo system there and I put on uh the the thing I opened the podcast with today I put on the Firebird Suite and I just shut my eyes and I laid kind of on the floor and, and I just remember hearing the opening with the bass and cellos the opening to the suite and I just thought it's going to be okay it kind of gave me this sense of like man that's that's absolutely gorgeous it's things are going to be all right I'm I'm going to I'm going to be okay um, at least right now I know I'm okay and 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 um, this is you know, this gorgeous work of art 
that I could listen to, and it just resonated so much. And that started to become the case for so many different pieces, but that one in particular at that point just resonated with me. And I think we all have pieces like that that just they just hit, they just resonate in a certain way. And um, I'm going to put my dog down um, off of my lap here for a second. Um, she is, uh, of course, the co-host, as you, you may have seen on social media, my little dog Lana there. Um, so, yeah, anyway, she uh, didn't want to sit in my lap anymore. Um, I'm not going to take that personally. I'm going to let her go and uh, and do what she wants to do. So it's, uh, we won't have a co-host for a little while. Anyway, um, there was again, I'm just trying to highlight a couple things, but there was another time I can remember very specifically um, when I was uh, a kid, my, my parents had divorced when I was 10 years old and it was one of these situations, anybody that was, anybody that has divorced parents, um, or grew up with that type of situation. If you did, you know, you know, the idea of kind of going back and forth to your, your parents' house, um, or your, you know, maybe your dad's place and then back to your house where your mom, you know, however your arrangement was, or maybe you didn't, everyone's different. But my situation was that, uh, my sister and I, um, my, uh, our house, we stayed in our house with my mom and, um, in Cherry Hill. And then my dad moved out into an apartment when I was 10, uh, in Maple Shade, New Jersey, which is, it was, it was only about five to 10 minute drive, but it seemed at that age, uh, it seems like it's, uh, you know, I mean, it's just breaks things apart. And, um, I remember, you know, so it's every other weekend. So it's like one weekend I was with my mom and I was upset about that because I was sad, glad to be with my mom in, in that way, but I wanted to be with my dad. I missed my dad. And, 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 uh, then I would go and I would cry about that. And, and then the next weekend I would be with my dad, but I missed my mom. And, and so there was, I remember this, it was, it was Friday nights and then into Sunday nights. It was Friday night. Um, you know, my dad would come and, uh, pick us up if it was his weekend. And I would just start crying that night for 10, 15 minutes about missing my mom. And then Sunday I would get back and I would cry because I missed my dad. He would drop us off. And it was just kind of this emotional. And again, there's all this research about age. And, and you know, it's just one of these things like, oh, boo-hoo, Ken. But, but it, you know, again, these are all, I'm not, this is not a competition of like one-upping somebody else's trauma or one-upping somebody else's story. But it's traumatic on a kid. And especially at that age, it's, it's the age of 10, um, it has a really uh, profound impact. And, and that was also, you know, caused a lot of anxiety and a lot of depression. Um, I am laughing only because I can laugh about it now, I think, or to keep from crying. I don't know. Anyway, um, but I remember one particular night, We, my mom, without getting, I don't want to sound like I'm slamming or anything like that in this way, but my mom, um, this guy that she ended up uh, marrying, uh, I will never refer to as my stepdad, and um, but this guy that you know he basically moved into our house and his adult children moved into our house when I was uh, 11 so it was only about a year later and uh, that was was really jarring and um, I didn't like the guy and uh, my sister didn't like the guy and and uh, he just came in and was 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 basically you know looking back now I know that he was he was emotionally abusive and he was um, just uh, a real piece. I'll just say he was a real piece of work. How's that? So this guy comes in and he basically just, it was just, it was just threw everything into turmoil in, in that, in our house. And, and, uh, 
my mom became kind of subservient in some ways to him. And, 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 um, I've talked to my mom about this and she so this is not a surprise if she's listening. And, and, um, I was just uh, sick to my stomach about it. And my sister was the same way. It was just this, this kind of ridiculous situation that we were in. And, um, I remember one Sunday night, my dad dropped us off from, uh, his place. And it was always, we would always go to his place and be like, Oh, we're getting away from that. And, um, kind of a respite from, from home life and in that sense. And so we would get back. And I remember one Sunday I got back and I had to go to bed almost right away. I was probably 12 or 13. And for some reason he had, um, his name is Paul, the guy who moved in. And, um, for whatever reason, uh, he decided to move all my books on my bookshelf or something like that. And I was, I had the whole connection with, with, with books in my room. And I was really into that and there was this huge massive pile up of books and this, my room was just like messed up completely messed up and I I just broke down I just lost it I was I was so so upset and so sad and uh I could I didn't know what to do with myself I was just um I had had already had a panic attack a year before that and um that was what I referenced that in another episode with my my grandfather um and that was when I thought I was thinking I thought I had a heart attack and and um but anyway, so I was, again, I was already primed. I was already primed for these anxiety feelings and these depressed feelings and, and just sadness and very deep, deep sadness, a lump in my throat. And again, I missed my dad and I put on the, the soundtrack to E.T. And I'll never forget that. And the beauty of that score from John Williams um to this day, I can remember laying in my bed listening to that on my Walkman. <laughs> yes, my Walkman um, on cassette tape. And that thing that brought me out of that, there was this, um, I still cried because that was a beautiful soundtrack. And I cried beautiful things as well in a happy way. But I was crying for a different reason at that point. I wasn't as upset. I, was, I, felt, I felt relief in a sense. And again, this idea that things were going to be okay. And um, that happened with jazz, I started getting into, I, I was, I've always been a night owl. Um, I started listening to Tonight Show Big Band with Doc Severinsen. And I was probably the only fourth grader who knew who Tommy Newsom was uh, at that point back in the 80s. And my teachers always wondered why I knew that. But I was a night owl and my parents were like, well, he's not going to go to sleep. So I let him watch some Johnny Carson. And uh, so I, I knew all this stuff in the Tonight Show Big Band. That's when I that's when I started getting into jazz, and I started listening to Maynard Ferguson, who was a, a you know a huge influence on just getting me into all these other things. And he was such a inspiration with, with his bands and and uh, um, so you know the Tonight Show Big Band is is I, I knew I like Ed Shaughnessy, and I was listening to all that stuff. It was just amazing to to listen to that stuff, and and uh, that band to this day is one of the, such a ridiculously good band. And, um, but yeah, it had this ability. I remember just, I could listen to that and it could take me away to a place that I, I just felt, felt better. And, and, uh, and I, and that's when I started getting the bug when I was in seventh, eighth grade. I was like, oh, I, this is something I think, I think I want to do this all the time. And, uh, so, you know, I was, I got, I was so involved in my music programs at school and, and, um, and out of school, I was going into Philadelphia a lot, going into to, to these rehearsals, and I was 
starting to get into clarinet and saxophone and flute and all these different things. And I was playing classical music. I was playing jazz. And um, it was always this thing where I could just play. I could be practicing. I could be listening to something. And it was... Um, I'm not, this is not the only reason that I do music. I, I have a love for it for many other reasons. It's because it's well, frankly, because it's fun, um, yeah, and it's and it's it's a uh, it's just this. It's, it's something that I view as something that I will never master, and I li- I love the idea of that. I'll learn from it like crazy, but I'll never master it. And I think there's there's an appeal for me to that, and. Um, but that's that's just part of it. But but the other thing is is this idea of of what it's what it's done for me. It's just been there, and uh, so you know, and 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 meeting a lot of people we, that we, you have in common with music in uh, in in my music programs and and uh, and and band and orchestra and jazz band and all these different things and and it it builds a sense of confidence too. But at the same time, I was wrestling with. Um, performance anxiety and, and anxiety in general. So, but, but it was the listening to music that I always had to go back to where I could just put something on and it could really be transformative. And I would say, forget about the science aspect of that in, in, in for a bit for, or forever, <laughs> whatever, but like the, the, spiritual or the just the emotional connection however you want to look at it to listening to something that has that kind of profound effect on a human being is really powerful and uh music is just it it, it's it's really something else and again everyone everyone has a connection to something i think in that way i hope and um so that that's just really you know where where it came from and so music it's just had this again this incredibly profound impact on my life it's been able to help me get through some of the most difficult times that i can possibly remember um when my grandfather passed away um when i got divorced at one point when i was you know when i was in the throes of agoraphobia i was i mean i i could i could still practice and i could still listen to music at home and you know, it's like, well, I, I can't go out and I can't do this and I can't, but I can still, I still have my, uh, my CD collection and my, uh, now it's starting to grow my MP3s. <gasps> anyway, um, CDs still great. Anyway, uh, I was growing my CD collection and I was practicing and I was just getting into it as much as I could and, um, trying to figure out my next adventure as far as who I was going to start getting into, um, as far as players and composers and, uh, all, all of that stuff. So, um, but the other thing that I learned was was through practicing music. Through practicing music, there's something that I've come to terms with that the practice of music, and I think this could be, you know, we could look at that from a lot of standpoints. We could look at the practice of music from many, many standpoints, or or um, the practice of anything for that matter that we're trying to improve ourselves in any kind of discipline or, or art form. Or, but in music, what I learned was, so from the practicing standpoint, I sit down and there's this passage of music that I'm going to try to sight read. And so I, I go on and try to sight read it. And I have, um, you know, I try, I try not to put too many expectations down about sight reading. I just, I'm just going to have fun with it and see what happens. And when you, when I look at it that way, it, it comes out better because I don't have any preconception of, of 
you know, I have to, I have to make this again, here goes by the perfect. I don't have to make this perfect. Um, it's I'm sight reading. So there's some, we allow ourselves, I'll talk more about this, but you know, we allow ourselves that freedom to make a mistake. And because we allow ourselves that freedom to make the mistake, we don't make the mistake. And so that is, you know, pretty profound there. So there's that allowance of saying, well, I don't need to, I don't need to worry so much about that. I, I don't, you know, so you sight read a piece at home and then you start to work on it. You find passages that are, are more difficult than others and you may not nail those passages right away. And you start to make this realization. What And what I feel like I was, I learned quickly and I feel pretty fortunate to have learned this about practicing and about a lot of things, but this is music where it applied to my life where I realized that if I just kept at it, and I kept in a balance kind of between working at it and then also resting with it and relaxing and working at it and trying to be relaxed about it and, and just kind of a back and forth with that and just saying, well, this passage, uh, these passages within the piece may feel like, I, you know, oh my God, I don't know if I'm, you know, it's, it's, I've heard people say, I don't think I'll ever get it or, you know, you, <laughs> these are things you'll get it. It's just a matter of, again, this is really the, the word, it's an obvious word here, is patience. And I learned a great deal of patience, I feel like, at a very early age, and I feel very fortunate about that. And music has a huge, had a huge role, and still has a huge role in teaching me that. And so I learned very quickly that the frustration isn't really helping. And so when I was in high school, I would get a little frustrated about stuff, but, but it was what I, what I knew from evidence and it was like, you know, proof that I had was, well, I didn't get this right away, but again, I'm going to keep at it. I'm going to practice this passage for a little bit. I'm not going to completely crush it for hours and hours and hours. And, and, and cause that's, that can be mind numbing and the brain's not really meant to handle it that way, but I'm going to work at this piece slowly. I'm going to work at these little sections, these chunks of things, and then I'll sleep on it. And Sometimes maybe it would come the next day, even just from the sleep and just from the being kind of laid a little bit more laid back about getting that. And then, you know, after a year, I mean, some pieces take up to, you know, years to, to get something really. And, and, and even then you, you feel like you don't have it where you want it. But it's kind of amazing to me that that that, that happens. But if you have to play something for a concert or for a gig or for, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, and you need to know the part and you need to get it. Um, there's some solace that I've learned to take in, in the fact that, oh, this is a, a tough thing, uh, maybe a little tough spot, like a couple measures or, or maybe a, a passage. But that same thing applies where I, I know I'll get it. I know I'll get it. And it's just a matter of um, I think there's that confidence that it builds, but also that idea that it's it's a mixture of, of being relaxed about it in a sense. You know, like, no, it's it's OK, you know. And the reason I bring that up, it, it, it pertains to so many different things, but it what it helped me with was when I was in the throes of this agoraphobia and this in my 20s, this is again about 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, I very vividly remember these, I mean, incredibly down times where I thought I'm not, I, I don't, I don't really know where my life is headed with this. And I, I, I just kind of thought, well, I, I may just, um, I guess I've referenced before in the past, but I, I may just be living in a, a very small uh, 
literally very small world. Like uh, in my world will be a few blocks and maybe or maybe a, a mile or two. And I'll be able to kind of do the things I need to do within there. And, and I'll just have to make that work. But when I started realizing that in order to overcome that, I had to do things gradually, like uh, walk a certain distance out of a comfort zone that I had, for instance. And so agoraphobia, you know, you create these boundaries in your mind of what's safe, quote unquote, and what's not safe. And you start, I start to have like literal boundaries in my head of, well, if I cross that road, I, I, that's a, a, a boundary. So you had these, I knew almost on a, to a map of the places that I felt comfortable going and the places that I did not feel comfortable going. So what I realized after working with therapists and, and, um, one therapist in particular said, you know, well, let's lay out a plan. And so I'll never forget. I, I thought, well, there's, you know, she said it was the, I think I'm pretty sure it was the grocery store. I couldn't go to the grocery store and the grocery store wasn't that far away, but the thought of going into that store was a huge store and it just kind of, it just caused me anxiety and, and panic. And so it was this idea of, well, let's just drive to the parking lot and sit in the parking lot for a minute. And so I would just do that. I would, that, that was like one day I would just drive to that parking lot or I'd walk to that area and then I'd come back and then the next day maybe I'm going to try to go and touch the front door of that store and uh, um, so there was this again this idea that there's it's like that passage is like well and what I what I started to realize was I started to see results I started to realize that oh well one day I would go to the parking lot and, and then a couple days later, I felt more comfortable because I was becoming desensitized to this and I was becoming acclimated to the fact that, you know what, I'm, I'm going to be okay. I can, I can do this. And it's a very slow process at first and it can be frustrating. And it was very frustrating. Um, that's why I'd go back and listen to some music. I feel better, you know, but, but, um, and, uh, but a lot of what would happen would be me just going to this, um, store and I would, then I would, you know, I would touch the front door to the store and I would then walk back to my car and get in and drive back. Or I, or I, if I had walked there, I would just walk back home. And, um, and then, you know, I remember thinking, okay, well next week, the goal I'm going to set for myself is to try to walk into the store. And so I, uh, I, I, I set that as a goal. And, uh, there were times where, uh, you know, you know, maybe like, it would be like a Monday I'd start and I'd go and touch the door. And then I'd go back home and that was my thing for the day. Like that was my, my outing. Um, and then the, the next day I'd say, okay, tomorrow I'm going to go and I'm going to go in um, and go inside and just walk inside and then literally walk back out. I could even just put my, even one or two feet uh, in, on the tiling of the floor in the store and that would count. And uh, so I, and I did that. And some, some days you, again, some days I get it, some days I wouldn't. And, uh, for no rhyme or reason, just being human and, and getting over this, um, this very real, um, mental disorder and, and, and dealing with this and in, in recovery. And, and so there's so much there and, and there's so much that I can get into as to, as to, you know, why that works and desensitization and the psychological aspects. But I want to, I want to say this because of the comparison of what I learned between practicing something in music and between, um, practicing something that I needed in order to literally to function in, in my my day-to-day -day life and there was always as sad as sometimes I would get about this I was, there was always this glimmer of this little tiny maybe even just this little thing 
that would reemerge and say, no, I can do this. I've got this. I can do this because I, I know I've done it in other things and I, and I can do it here. So that was, I mean, that was incredibly powerful. And um, it, it, again, I, 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 I sometimes I laugh to myself about the fact that I would touch the door to a grocery store and then walk away. It also taught me that I don't really care what other people think that much because you start to learn really quickly that if you want to get over something like that, People that may give you weird looks because you're going to be walking up to a store and touching a door and walking back and people are going to wonder. But it, that, that taught me that, that other aspect that, that I just, it, does, it doesn't matter. It's, I was doing what I needed to do to, to uh, live my life and that, that taught me a great deal there too. And it also taught me in music. It taught me the fact that we all have our own process and we all have our own way of practicing. We all have our own way of, um, it's, there's not one absolute uh, there are many ways to 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 achieve your goals, and 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 I I've learned all that through the practice of music, and um, but again, most of this what what I I just want to hopefully that maybe can offer some hope. There are, there are things out there, and if music isn't your thing, there's some there's something else that you that you can latch onto, and something else that I that I that I feel fortunate where music had me. I was so in rapture, in rap, I don't know the word for it, but I was so I was so into music that it, I didn't get into other things where I think I I could have been. I was very susceptible, I think, to probably to drugs and alcohol, um, and things like that. But I I was so focused on music and focused on other things, and and the anxiety actually prevented me because I didn't want to <laughs> mess around with anything. I was I was already uh, <laughs> feeling some weird stuff, but but I never. I, Again, I feel very fortunate for that, but I know there's a lot of people out there that um, they do um, end up, you know, experimenting with drugs and alcohol and and self-medicating and to deal with the pain and to deal with things. And and, um, that's a whole nother thing that, uh, you know, we need to we need to, you know, get get that get out, get that out in the open and talk about. And um, so, yeah, so that's that's really where I wanted to go. I just I just. Wanted to talk about music and, and, and the impact it had on my life. And, and there, there are countless other stories that I could tell. But to this day, I still have a blast playing things. And I still, you know, I, I now, now when somebody calls me for a gig, I actually can take the gig. And, uh, and it's been that way for, again, you know, 10 or 15 years. It's been that way, but at least 10 years. And uh, it's a wonderful feeling to be able to do that because then I can actually really go out and and enjoy myself and, and, and play. And it's also a reason I try not to take anything for granted. Um, it doesn't always happen, but I, I really try not to take anything for granted. And um, so again, please feel free to reach out to me. Uh, you can email me anytime at Ken at KenRobinsonMusic.com. Um, I'm on Twitter. It's um, at Tritone, T-R-I-T-O-N-E 29, 29, at Tritone 29. And Facebook, I have a Facebook page, Ken Robinson Music. It's all one word, uh, like the title of the podcast. And um, you can private message me, or you can, you know, and just look me up, Ken Robinson, uh, on Facebook, um, personal page. But again, I, I just, hopefully, this is, you know, I, I want to talk more about this, and I want to talk about this with a lot of other people, which I'm, I promise I'm going to be doing. Uh, the interviews are coming, and we're going to really destigmatize this whole thing, and. Uh, just realize that everybody out there, we are all dealing with something. We're all having uh, to deal with, with things in, within the human condition. And again, I will re- 
reemphasize you are not alone. You are not alone. You may think you are, but you're not alone. Uh, if not for the simplest fact, again, that I'll say that I will talk to you. And uh, um, I, I legitimately mean that. So anyway, I um, just again, wishing to everybody for peace and love and, and uh, warmth. And um, until next time, thanks so much. See ya.